the uh, new rules make things worse for Canadians. The government is duping the public. The new airline passenger bill of rights takes effect tomorrow, but will it really help? Plus. It's a bike race and crashes happen. Ah, uh, but this one during the Penticton Grand Fondo could have been deadly. And. Growing up in Surrey, Vancouver, you kind of face a lot of problems. The sport some Surrey community members hope will save kids from a life of drugs and crime. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight. First responders have been called to a popular trail near Chilliwack to help an injured hiker. Emergency Health Services says one person was seriously injured at about 2 o'clock this afternoon at Bridal Vale Falls Provincial Park. An air ambulance was brought in to transport the hiker to hospital. No details on the incident yet, but the park includes some steep terrain, which can become very busy this time of year with outdoor enthusiasts. Canadian airline passengers are hoping they'll feel a little less turbulence as the first phase of the new Bill of Rights takes effect tomorrow. The bill is intended to provide compensation to inconvenienced travellers, and many say it's long overdue. But as Julia Foy reports, critics are questioning just how effective it will be. It's just the specific airline, right? Swoop. Newlyweds Huda Hawani and Jadat Saleh are flying across Canada on their honeymoon. It was great. Actually, we did Ottawa to London, London, Ontario, and then London, Ontario to Abbotsford. We used uh, Swoop Airlines, and they have a direct line here. So far, their flights have been good, but they've had issues before. Last time, my wife and I were delayed for like six, seven hours. Um, and we got a $50 voucher as compensation. My last trip, we lost a bag. Actually, it was damaged. You know, we filed, we asked for everything, and we got nothing. Didn't even hear back from the airline, so it was, it was pretty bad, yeah. A new Bill of Rights for airline passengers comes into effect, which should aid people who've lost luggage or been bumped. They could be eligible for up to $2,400. Offering travelers flying to from or within Canada with real and fair treatment standards and compensation. Effective December, airlines will have to pay customers on an escalating scale. If you're delayed three to six hours, you get $400. Six to nine hours, $700. Over nine hours, you could be entitled to $1,000. It would be nice to have compensation if they've lost your luggage. I think it's a great thing that the airlines are doing. It's a good I think it's good PR. But a passenger rights advocate says we shouldn't get too excited. Uh, new rules make things worse for Canadians. The government is duping the public. Lukash warns that now passengers could be held on the tarmac for over double the amount of time. And it could be harder to prove when you were bumped due to overbooking. Several airline companies are appealing the bill in court. As for the newlyweds, they're feeling optimistic about their flying future. I think it's great. We've needed this for a long time. I'm hoping it'll kick in and get some changes going. Julia Foy, Global News. RCMP on Vancouver Island are looking for a suspect in the alleged sexual assault of a 16-year-old girl on the Galloping Goose Trail in Langford. The victim told police she was walking on the trail at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon last Tuesday near Souk Road and Happy Valley Road when she was approached by a man asking for directions. The man allegedly shook her hand, pulled her towards him, then kissed her on the neck 
before she pushed him away. The man is described as South Asian, between 20 and 30 years old, and speaks with an accent. Police say he was wearing a dark, puffy jacket, dark jeans, and a dark T-shirt. He was also riding a bicycle. Vancouver police are investigating two separate stabbings in the downtown core this weekend that sent two young men to hospital. Police were called to Butte and West Pender at about 4 o'clock this morning when they found where they found a man in his 20s with stab wounds. He underwent surgery for non-life-threatening injuries. No arrests so far. The VPD believes he was involved in an altercation just before the stabbing, but they're still trying to determine exactly what happened. And an early morning fight on Hornby near Dunsmere has left a 25-year-old man in hospital with stab wounds. Police say it happened just before 2 o'clock this morning when an altercation between two groups turned violent. The suspect who fled the scene is believed to be in his late teens or early 20s, is white or Latin, and was wearing black clothing. It's believed there is video of the incident. Witnesses are asked to call the VPD or Crime Stoppers. For the second year in a row, a popular South Asian sport that's part tag and part wrestling is trying to make inroads with kids in Metro Vancouver. As Paul Johnson reports, it's hoped Kabadi can help steer youth away from a life of crime and drugs. We got the Raider from USA going in for the raid. We got four stoppers from Team Canada looking to stop them. They got 30 seconds on them. Touched him, he's running back. Fighting for Team USA's point. Play action at the Kabaddi field in Surrey Sunday. You're watching some of the sport's elite players at an international tournament. If you're baffled by what's happening here, Delta's Gurjavin Dollywall can fill you in. One person crosses the line, they have 30 seconds to touch somebody and run back. Kabaddi might be best described as part wrestling, part team tag. Watch for just a few minutes and you'll see all the elements of strategy and athleticism that make up any serious sport. Using factors like dodging, um, team tactics, faking, shooting. For Canada's Indo-Canadian community, this is as common as a junior hockey game in winter. But Sunday's tournament had a special theme. We have a huge identity crisis where our young boys are confining with drugs and gangs. Kieran Tour is the president of the Kids Play Foundation. Their goal is to counter the lure of gang life with the thrill of competing in an ancient sport. So we're trying to reconnect them with their roots through Kapati. Growing up in Surrey, Vancouver, you kind of face a lot of problems. And you don't have to know exactly what is going on here to see that Kapati offers boys another vision of what it means to be a tough guy and part of a team. Sunday's tournament saw teams from across Canada and around the world. And the winning side gets to split $5,000. In Surrey, Paul Johnson, Global News. A play tonight to help find a missing senior in the Fraser Valley. Ethel Grace Baranek was last seen at about 10.30 yesterday morning by a caregiver in the 4500 block of Lenora Crescent. The 86-year-old was last seen wearing a gray sweater, gray vest, and navy blue pants. Police and caregivers are concerned for her well-being. She has dementia and may be disoriented or confused. Police, volunteers, and Chilliwack Search and Rescue have been looking for any sign of her. If you spot her, please stay with her and call police or Crime Stoppers.
Everyone's just really concerned for this lady. She's been missing well over 24 hours now, um, concerned about her well-being and that we find her while we still have daylight. BC's police watchdog agency has been called in to investigate the death of a distraught man in Vancouver's West End yesterday. Police were called at around noon to a high-rise apartment building on Bidwell Street near Harrow. A man was seen throwing large items, including a TV and a bicycle, out of a ninth-floor window to the street below, posing a danger to passers-by. Officers raced up to the suite the man was in. Soon after, they say he fell from a window and died. It's standard procedure that the Independent Investigations Office investigate any situation involving police and serious injury or death. Video has surfaced of a bizarre incident at Vancouver's Sunset Park last month. It ended with Vancouver police using a beanbag shotgun on a man who claimed a stranger's Corvette was his own. On June 30th, police arrested a 36-year-old local man after he allegedly refused to leave the driver's seat of the Corvette. Police say the suspect climbed into the open convertible and told them, quote, the car now belonged to him. Police say they were forced to use non-lethal force on the suspect's legs because he wouldn't move. The man who was facing mischief charges was treated for minor injuries at the scene before being arrested. BC Housing says more than 500 people are waiting for supportive housing in Kelowna. To help tackle the problem, new homes are being built for people in need. But Rutland residents feel their neighborhood is taking on more than their fair share of these projects. Jules Knox has more on the latest proposed facility and why it's causing so much concern. We won't stop. We won't stop. Another battle is brewing in Kelowna's Rutland neighborhood. Residents recently mobilized against a supportive housing development being built on McCurdy Road. Now their attention is shifting to a similar project in the works a few blocks away. We're mostly seniors living there, all seniors across the street. There's three schools right within five minutes walking. And this neighborhood has already got enough problems. Although the project on McIntosh Road was announced months ago, it didn't receive much opposition until recently. It's growing almost exponentially. Um, Awareness is what has changed. Many Rutland residents feel that their neighbourhood has taken on more than its fair share of these wet facilities where drugs and alcohol are allowed. I think Rutland is really getting, getting a shaft. Rutland is saturated. We have five wet facilities right now. Um, We have, outside of the downtown north and south ends, we have the only wet facilities in the entire city. Mayor Colin Bazran has previously said that he's still hoping to get more supportive housing projects and council's instructions to BC Housing are to ensure that they are spread around the community. I certainly appreciate uh, and understand the concerns of Rutland uh, residents, but uh, this is not something that we are simply dumping on them. Uh, This is something that uh, we bear as a community together. BC Housing wasn't available for an interview, but said in a statement that it will have experienced staff on site around the clock to ensure that any concerns are addressed in a timely manner. The city still needs to approve the permits for the project, and BC Housing says construction will start as soon as it gets the green light. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Flooding recovery efforts are underway in the Caribou region after the Chilcotin River hit historic levels. Floodwaters are now receding, but the Caribou Regional District says 120 properties were affected by the 1 in 200 year flood event. Initial damage assessments reveal most of the destruction was done to outbuildings, hayfields, irrigation channels, land and fences. 
The transportation ministry is working to complete road repairs within a week. All locals can now get in and out of their properties. The CRD will be holding a public meeting next Saturday to update affected residents. A very close call on the highway just outside of Penticton this morning, and it was all captured on camera. An alert driver swerved just in time to avoid a group of cyclists who crashed during the Grand Fondo race. Event organizers say safety precautions are taken, but as Shelby Tom reports, some say it's just a matter of time before someone is seriously injured or killed. It's a shocking near miss on Highway 97, just outside of Penticton Sunday morning, caught on dash cam video. A collision occurs among cyclists participating in the ninth annual Grand Fondo race event, spilling into traffic. A driver forced to swerve out of the way to avoid disaster. Just very thankful that... Uh Everything kind of lined up and nobody got hurt. Raising safety concerns about mass cycling events along busy BC highways. It's just the one lane, the one right-hand lane on the highway. And all they're separated by with his cones. The rider uh, instinctively moved to the left to avoid becoming involved in the crash is understandable. And, and thankfully, nothing worse happened. Event organizers say safety precautions include reducing the speed limit, coning off 40 kilometers of highway and posting advisory signs. But... It's a bike race and crashes happen. Still, some drivers expressing frustration about road closures and traffic delays. I've been yelled at the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just part of it. I know there's a fair bit of anti-cycling culture out there, and a lot of motorists don't feel that we belong on the road. Uh, and, and again, I would just apologize for the inconvenience and thank them for their patience. For those participating in the event, jubilation at the finish line. The yeah. weather was perfect, the crowd is fantastic. It's just uh, about the camaraderie. We did it with some friends of ours that came up from Vancouver. With no shortage of hugs and proud onlookers. Go Glenn, go Keith, go Chris, and go Ethan. Woo! We love coming out downtown and seeing everyone, and we enjoy supporting our community. Organizers say the event is an economic boost for the city. We're doing an amazing job of promoting the South Okanagan, of bringing over 2,500 people and their friends and families here. You know, massive economic impact for our community. With the South Okanagan a destination for major sporting events, there's hope for harmony on the roads. Shelby Tom, Global News. The Canadian arm of the Chinese discount retailer Miniso has secured creditor protection through a B.C. Supreme Court order. Miniso Canada operates 67 stores in B.C. and across Canada and will continue to serve customers as usual. The court order allows Miniso Canada to obtain up to $2 million in financing from several parent company entities as it works to restructure the Canadian operations. The company entered the Canadian market in 2017 with the goal of operating 500 locations within three years, but has not announced a new store opening on its website since November. Well, he has saved countless lives as a longtime Coquitlam search and rescue volunteer. But tonight he's asking for the public's help. His six-month-old puppy took off after a crash earlier this month. And as Kristen Robinson reports, finding her is going to be particularly tough. We just got a call in of a sighting in uh, North Vancouver on Grand and 15. There's Gary Mansell and his wife Anne, desperate to find their six-month-old puppy. She was a bit nervous to begin with, and she's probably very scared right now. Mansell was traveling with his lab retriever, Coonhound Cross, on July 3rd when he got distracted and drove into a median near the Caulfield exit on the Upper Levels Highway in West Vancouver. He and Maisie were okay, but the crash scared her, and she bolted. I was worried that she was going to get hit by a car. 
Maisie, still attached to her leash, has been on the run ever since. Mansell, a longtime Coquitlam search and rescue volunteer, forced to call in the experts. I have 20 years of experience in search and rescue. I've been over 100 searches, so I know how to find a person dead or alive. The strategy with a dog is completely different. You have to think like a dog in order to find a dog. Canine Valley is on the trail, urging anyone who spots Macy not to chase her or call her name. So in this case, there was a car accident. She bolted out of the car. She heard her name being called as she's bolting out, scared. That makes it very difficult for her to have positive associations to her name. Tracking Maisie involves setting humane traps in the hopes she will enter when hungry. We want to use the scent of their owners in order to cause her to come out. It's more of an exercise in uh, convincing the dog to come to us. Until then, it's a waiting game. The Mansells hoping for a sighting that will bring Maisie home. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, for a lot of people, camping is an annual summertime rite of passage, but preparing and packing for and then getting to the wilderness, that can be daunting. But as Dan Spector reports, you can have that authentic camping experience right in the heart of one Canadian city. Waking up to the sound of birds chirping and views of lush greenery is what camping is all about. But waking up in the shadow of a large, decaying industrial building from a previous era, that's exactly where this family of tourists stretched their legs Sunday morning. It's a very unique spot. This is Parks Canada's Montreal authentic campsite. Seven tents right on the Lachine Canal. Just steps from the old port, it's been booked solid every weekend. It's really having the authentic experience of camping within an urban context. It's more glamping than camping. Each tent can sleep six. Four adults, two kids can take the bunks. Uh, people just have to bring their bedding. The tents have dishes, bowls, cups. There's also bathrooms and showers on the premises. A common area with seating and barbecues, but with dozens of restaurants nearby, cooking is not exactly necessary. No, we didn't cook uh, because it's walking distance to everything, so... This family came from Toronto and stayed here with their two kids for four nights. We're close to the area of all the funds that they would enjoy. $120 per night tax in for a solar-powered tent, which is undoubtedly far more reasonable than some of Old Montreal's more traditional accommodations. If all this seems appealing to you and you want to camp by the canal here, well, now is the time. As of now, this is actually the last season this will be available here. The setup will be moving to other National Historic Sites across the country at the end of the season, but not before the boss and her family get a weekend in. My mother said that I could bring a friend, and I guess that we could, like, look at the water and throw rocks in the water and look at the birds and play on the grass and do cartwheels and everything. Bye! Seclusion in plain sight. Dan Spector, Global News, Old Montreal. Yvonne and Barry are here, and I'm going to say something rather shameful. I've never been camping. Really? Ever. Hmm. Anywhere. Well, maybe you're missing out on a lot of great things. Uh, bug bites, feeling damp when you get up yeah. in the morning. There's oh, a lot of things yeah. that you're just missing out on there's. that others out there love. So. Campfire, s'mores. Yes. That experience. See, she's, yeah. she's Okay, yes, that as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you said yesterday we were going to have another day like we had yesterday. 
and it pretty much was. Yeah, you described it yesterday, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Took a bit of time, depending on where you were across the south coast, to see uh, breaks in the cloud cover. It has remained dry, which has been very pleasant for us to round off our weekend. We're still seeing that instability, like we saw yesterday, once again, into the northeastern corners with the severe thunderstorm watch that is in effect for areas near the peace. Uh, we may have a chance uh, to see a little sprinkle here and there, and I'll show you when, uh, coming up very shortly. Okay, and I didn't leave my apartment today, uh, this morning, because it was glued to the tennis. You know, um, I think sometimes uh, we don't appreciate the greatness when it happens. You know, Wayne Gretzky played, everyone knew he was great, but when you look back, you go, oh, wow, look how fantastic he was. Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, I mean, these guys are the greatest, not only at tennis, but maybe some of the best athletes ever. And they're all playing at once. They're all in their 30s. It's been incredible. And uh, Djokovic and Federer combined for maybe one of the greatest matches ever played today right. at Wimbledon. So we'll have highlights of that. It took five hours. Took Our five highlight hours. package will be slightly less than that, but <laughs> not much. It was, it was incredibly good. And the quality was just what you'd expect. Yeah, I'm looking guys. forward yeah. to your take on it. <laughs> Hundreds of passengers had to be rescued in Edmonton last night, dozens at a time, when a riverboat became stuck. As Sarah Comedina reports, the rescue went into the early morning hours. More than 12 hours after the Edmonton riverboat got stuck at Accidental Beach, crews could be seen working to get it back to shore. It happened just before 11.30 Saturday night when the boat caught a current and couldn't move. Around 300 passengers were stranded overnight as fire crews used rescue boats until close to 5 in the morning to get everyone back to land. The construction of this LRT bridge has definitely changed the flow of the water. So again, nothing against the, the fact flow. that we're doing the construction, but it just physiologically changes the, the flow pattern of the water and it makes that current a little bit stronger um, leading up to that area. And the boat just had some trouble breaking through that and getting past. We were a full cruise last night, 300 people. So um, we were pretty heavy and trying to, to get our boat through that current was a little bit tricky. There were no injuries, and passengers seemed to enjoy the extra time on the boat as they waited, and they say the ordeal wasn't scary. They were very accommodating, and they did offer, like, free food after a while. They were like, yeah, hamburgers, hot dogs for everyone, no problem, we're really sorry. They were very accommodating. You know, the music kept playing, they kept the bar open, and it was was fun. We had fun. I mean, we certainly got our money's worth. (laughs) In the two years under this ownership, this is the first time the boat has gotten stuck at Accidental Beach. Sarah Comadina, Global News. In Quebec, three men have been killed in a plane crash in a remote region of the province. It happened about 700 kilometers north of Montreal. There was one survivor who was transported to hospital. Search and rescue technicians had to parachute into the site to get the man. The, man. the men, all in their 60s and 70s, were on a fishing trip. Tragic news out of the CBC headquarters in downtown Toronto where a man has died after falling down an elevator shaft. Witnesses say the man was swinging from the elevator cables before falling to his death last night. The man was found on top of the elevator car on the first floor. No details on the man's identity or why he was there have been released. 12 million people are under a flash flood watch tonight from the remnants of The storm has been downgraded to a tropical depression as it slowly creeps northward, bringing torrential rain that is testing levees, swelling rivers and fraying nerves. Others are dealing with the aftermath of Barry. In southern Louisiana, the Coast Guard pulled several people from the floodwaters along the coast. Still no reports of any fatalities, though. 
Flooding and landslides triggered by heavy rainfall has killed at least 43 people in Nepal in the past few days, with more deaths reported across the Himalayan border into India. At least 24 people are missing, either swept away by swollen rivers or buried in mudslides since rains began pounding the region on Friday. A flying soldier stole the show today at Paris's annual Bastille Day parade. The soldier flew on a souped-up kind of hoverboard over the parade route. The French president and other dignitaries looked on as the crowd cheered. Bastille Day, of course, commemorates the turning point in the French Revolution. A big surprise for Beatles fans. Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr reuniting on stage last night. The iconic moment happened near the end of McCartney's concert at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Fans went wild when he announced he had a special guest before Starr joined him on stage. Ringo reportedly played the drums for two songs, Sgt. Pepper and Helter Skelter. Ringo then threw his sticks into the audience. Their last live appearance together was in 2014. A fire inside a manhole is being blamed for knocking out power to more than 42,000 customers in New York City last night. The fire began before 7 o'clock local time. It quickly impacted a transmission line, leaving parts of Manhattan in the dark. Several subway lines stopped working. Hospitals were forced to switch to backup generators and dozens of Broadway shows were canceled. The outage lasted for several hours with the power back on at around midnight. Let's see this through. The cast of the Broadway musical Waitress creating a bright spot in the blackout. They sang al fresco in the middle of the theater district after they had to evacuate during a performance because of the power outage. That, that's that's turning lemons into lemonade. <laughs> Yvonne, we've got some incredible footage that you want to show us about a, a tornado warning in Calgary? Yes, it's the ninth one that's been spotted so far in Alberta for 2019, and here's a shot of it. So this was earlier in the afternoon, just around 2 o'clock. Warnings had popped up and prompted. Uh, they saw the funnel cloud. It was spotted just 50 kilometers north of Calgary in a city called Crossfield. Uh, these are several images that were taken and photos that were uh, taken by viewers there. Uh, there was some damage to a farm nearby, but no injuries uh, for anybody. But this was, uh, once again, the ninth uh, tornado that they've seen this season. They typically see closer to 15, and Saskatchewan um, sees 18 um, on average. So some incredible video and photos that were taken today. For us, the weather picture very different here at home. We've managed to see some nice breaks in the cloud. This is a shot overlooking English Bay. And temperatures have bumped up into the low 20s at uh, 22 degrees with a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. High today, we got up to 23. With the Humidex, it was feeling closer to 26. Not quite record-breaking, though. 28 degrees on the Almanac back in 1949. We do have lots of instability, really, across the central interior and the northeastern corners. We've got a severe thunderstorm water. Watch for the piece. We could see heavy downpours, very gusty winds, and we're keeping a close eye with a few thunderstorms that are still rolling its way into the central interior. Now, for the overnight and early morning hours across the south coast, we've got cloud cover once again, so very similar than what we've seen this morning and yesterday on our Saturday. And we may even get brushed with an isolated shower. That'll be for the early morning hours. And then a clearing is going to kick in across the south coast by the afternoon. And the moisture and instability will be across the central interior and much 
much of the Colombian Kootenai risk of a thunderstorm. So that'll be our blip in the forecast. So the morning hours, cloud cover and temperatures will be starting off at 16 degrees. Upper level chart as we put it into play, it'll be pleasant for both our Monday, Tuesday, keeping an eye on Wednesday that we could see some moisture moving in right across the province. It'll be falling as rain for us in Metro Vancouver. The northern half tomorrow breaks across the coast, highs up to 18 degrees, inland into the low 20s. It's the northeastern corners that we're seeing the risk of thunderstorms, much of the central interior, a chance of showers to the Colombian Kootenai with the daytime heating by the afternoon. We'll see a few thunderstorms popping up. Much of the Okanagan should remain dry. It's cloud cover and just a 30% chance to see a shower. Whistler could even see the risk of a thunderstorm. That'll stretch into Squamish. Hope will stay underneath cloud cover for eastern areas and the Fraser Valley. Cloud cover for the morning right across the south coast. By the afternoon, we'll see a nice clearing. Temperatures for Victoria tomorrow getting up to 21 degrees, but we'll have to be patient to see those breaks. So it'll be by the afternoon. Tuesday, pleasant, and we'll be tracking that change on the way. It'll be late Tuesday and towards our Wednesday. Wednesday and Friday so far looking to be the wettest, but by tomorrow we should get into some sunny breaks and it'll be pleasant with temperatures up to 23. Colleen? I'll take pleasant. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, it's become a familiar pattern. U.S. President Trump putting out an inflammatory tweet that offends a lot of people. But this one is striking a particularly deep chord with many decrying it as racist. President Trump today trying to stoke conflict between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and four minority liberal congresswomen. Tweeting, go back and help fix the totally broken and crime infested places from which they came. Mr. Trump added, so interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe. The president has singled out one of the women, Miss Omar, before. She's from Somalia, the only one of the four congresswomen born outside the United States. I'm looking at this Omar from Minnesota. She shouldn't even be in office. Speaker Pelosi today denounced Mr. Trump's tweets as xenophobic comments meant to divide our nation while Omar accused the president of stoking white nationalism because you are angry that people like us are serving in Congress. Other House Democrats, including the assistant House Speaker, rallying to their colleagues' defense. That's a racist tweet. And the field of 2020 Democratic hopefuls piled on. What he's trying to do is make America hate again. He's really doing something that is so anti-American. This country is facing another bigot who is trying to divide us again. While Trump may have united Democrats today, clear divisions still exist between Pelosi and the progressives in her caucus. Four hours, 57 minutes of tennis, yeah. one match. And they'd still be going if they didn't. They put in a new rule after that, uh, was it 70 games to 68? Uh, Isner Aquaria, one of the Americans played a few years ago that lasted so long that they said we got to stop the madness. So they put in a new rule. And guess who got to initiate the new rule? Uh-huh. Two of the greatest ever. All right, thanks, Colleen. Sometimes in sports, uh, maybe we don't appreciate greatness when it's uh, staring us in the face, but this era of men's tennis with the big three, Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal, is without doubt some of the greatest athletes and accomplishments of our time. Not to mention the fact they're all 30-something and still kicking the butts of the younger generation trying to knock them off. Today, Federer and Djokovic put a tennis display on for the ages, a five-hour marathon of mastery at Wimbledon that ended in an historic victory for Novak Djokovic. Djokovic won at Wimbledon last year, 15 majors and counting for him, record 12th appearance in the Wimbledon, uh, Wimbledon final for Roger. 
Kate and William would not miss this one. They're big tennis fans. First set goes to a tie break. And this point, a great example of what was to come. Just high-level tennis at every turn, although Roger missed the shot there. Djokovic takes the opening set in a tie break. Second set was all Federer. Up 2-0. Breaks Djokovic. Big forehand winner by Roger, who was certainly the crowd favorite. Took the second set 6-1. Third set was tight. Federer showing off his legendary backhand. Rips the uh, winner down the line. Third set, another tie break. And again, Djokovic rises to the occasion. Two-fisted backhand. Too much for Federer to handle. Wins the point. Mama Djokovic loves it. Djokovic goes up two sets to one. But we were a long way from the finish line. Fourth set, Federer up a break, a chance to win the set. And this is just another epic point. This is what it looks like when two legends slug it out. Amazing to watch. Federer ends it with another piece of brilliance off the backhand side. The crowd erupts. They got to watch more tennis. They're going to a fifth set. And in the fifth, Djokovic going to tap into his inner Boris Becker here, doing the lunge to win the point. And he held serve to take a 6-5 lead. No traditional tie break in the fifth set, so it's tied seven games each. Federer will break with the forehand winner, leads 8-7. Roger with a chance to serve it out. He had two match points, lost the first one, and then Djokovic comes through with the pressure forehand winner. What a shot. Ended up breaking back, so they're tied 8-8. It was tied 12-12. They invoked the fifth set tiebreaker rule to avoid the marathon last set. First time ever. Fitting these two would be part of that history. Djokovic takes control of the breaker, and then on match point, Federer with the miss hit, and that is it. Four hours, 57 minutes later, Djokovic takes his fifth Wimbledon, his 16th Grand Slam title, moving to within four of Federer's record 20. And yeah, he's going to take a bite of that Wimbledon grass to chew on. It was truly one of tennis's greatest matches ever. Gratitude. Well, uh, I think this was, if not the most exciting and thrilling finals I was ever part of, then definitely top two or three uh, in my career against... Uh, one of the greatest players of all time, Roger, who I respect a lot. And, uh... I thought we played some great tennis, so um, in a way I have to be very happy with my performance as well. But uh, Novak, it's great. Congratulations, man. That was, that was crazy. Well done. All right, now after that match, Canadian Gabriela Dabrowski played in the women's doubles final alongside partner Zhu Yifan of China. They took on Strakova and Xi, and Dabrowski and Zhu lost the first set, battled hard in the second. Dabrowski's on the right here. Some great reflexes, but unfortunately blows the easy overhead, and Dabrowski and Zhu fall 6-2, 6-4 in the women's doubles final at Wimbledon. Roger Sloan has had a strong finish to the PGA Tour season and really needs to keep it going to make the FedEx Cup playoffs and retain his tour card. Sometimes the pressure to retain the card is more intense than winning a tournament. Today, Sloan had a chance to cash a decent uh, paycheck and get some much-needed FedEx Cup points to keep himself in the mix on both counts. Final round of the John Deere Classic, Sloan tied for ninth when the day began. 
and got off to a pretty good start on the par five second, his third shot to six feet, and he would make that for a birdie to get to 14 under, but didn't really do much after that. Just a two under 69 for Sloan, pars out on 18, finished tied for 10th, still won 133,000. That gets him to 103rd on the FedEx list, so he should be okay to make the playoffs. The top 125 get in. Meanwhile, Nick Taylor of Abbotsford with an eagle chance early. Just misses here. Nick finished tied for 33rd at minus 11. He's 113th in the standings, so a little tight for him. Adam Svensson finished tied for 18th at 13 under. The big mover today, Russell Henley, flirted with 59, made the bomb here at the 15th, part of a 10 under 61, and he had the lead for a short time, but it was South African Dylan Fratelli, who has won twice worldwide, but never on the PGA Tour. That changed today. Fratelli will chip in from the rough for birdie at 10, and that tied him with Henley for the lead. And then at 11, Fratelli from about 20 feet will knock in the birdie to take the lead at 20 under. He would never look back as Dylan Fratelli, another first-time winner on the PGA Tour, takes the John Deere Classic by two over Russell Henley. That qualifies Fratelli for the Open Championship at Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland next week. Adam Hadwin and Corey Connors representing Canada at the Open. LPGA's Marathon Classic from Toledo, Ohio. South Korea's Se-Young Kim kind of ran away with it, made five straight birdies in the middle of her round, fired a 666 to finish at minus 22. Good enough for a two-shot win over Lexi Thompson. Canadian Brooke Henderson finished tied for 11th. Welcome back. The Whitecaps find themselves looking up at the entire Western Conference today. Vancouver sunk to last place after last night's 3-0 home loss to Sporting Kansas City. The Whitecaps' playoff aspirations are pretty much dead. Granted, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year with a new head coach, but right now it's hard to see much progress. The Caps haven't won since May 25th, and their home record now slips to three wins, four losses, and four draws, which is... Quite poor. 24th minute, Gerso Fernandez with the shot off Ali Adnan for an own goal. Early second half, in beyond with the free kick. This looks promising, but great diving save by Tim Melia. In beyond, just one goal so far this season, but he came close there. Sporting put this one away midway through the second half. Felipe Gutierrez from distance, although... That's one you'd like your goalkeeper to stop. 2-0 Sporting. Whitecaps had another free kick. Jordy Reyna, who's actually been pretty productive of late, hammers it, but off the post. That's just the way it's gone for Vancouver. Close, but not really that close to winning. Caps lose again 3-0. They've been shut out in three of their last four and outscored 10-1 in that span. At this stage right now, we're a little bit fragile. Um... We're in a position that now every time the, the opponent scores, it, it looks uh, heavy. And, uh, and we need to grow at that. We, we need to have a, a different type of mental toughness uh, all in, and react in a better way. But um, when that happens, it's, it's hard. MLS today, Seattle Sounders taking on the defending champs, Atlanta United FC. Big crowd on a beautiful day in Seattle. How about this, Raul Rui Diaz with an incredible play. How about that footwork? Goal of the week or of the year. 1-0 Seattle, Atlanta tied it, but 
Harry Ship gets the game winner, bouncing the header on the fantastic service from Jordan Morris. Seattle win 2-1, they move to second in the West. That is a fun team to watch. They do spend a little money on their team down there in Seattle. Jays and Yankees, Marcus Stroman starting. The Yankees, a team that would be interested in the Jays' right-hander, you would think. Fifth inning, Stroman gets some offensive support. Eric Sogard with the solo homer ties it up 2-2. Stroman went six strong, pitched very well, gave up three runs, struck out seven but ended up taking the loss 4-2 the final. The Major League Baseball trade, uh, trade deadline is on July 31st. And BC Super Week came to a close today in White Rock with the road races for both the women and the men racing through the streets of White Rock, and they took it out to the countryside a bit as well. Women came down to a sprint. Nina Kessler of Germany wins. But some Canadian content also on the podium. Marie Soleil Blay of Quebec second. Victoria's Megan Rathwell third. The men's race... A little bit longer, a little bigger field, but you can see that there was a breakaway pack that got out front uh, in this race. And then from that group came uh, Kelowna's Jordan Shane, who gets to celebrate the victory all by himself. Another fantastic BC Super Week comes to a close. Job well done by the organizers there. Tour de France is going on in, in Europe, but... Those who aren't racing in that, a lot of the, especially the North Americans and a lot of Europeans, as you saw, come here and they really love it. For Great sure. Show. And it was a beautiful day mm -hmm. for it, too. It What's the key to summer in B.C.? From navigating the events that shape the season to navigating the stories that shape our lives. Global News. We cover your summer. Okay, so technically we're not even in the dog days of summer yet, but you'd never know it at Hastings Park this weekend. Look at them go, the annual wiener dog races. The <laughs> finest short-legged hounds from across the lower mainland competing for $500 prize money and, of course, bragging rights. The championship final took place this afternoon with the wiener taking mm, all. Oh, in the end, Maximilian <laughs> finished first, but apparently only by a nose. Mm-hmm. It feels awesome to regain his title. Yeah, we're very excited. We're very excited. He's coming back to take his champion next year as well. He won last year. No, he won 2017. So he came in second last year. He was in the finals, but today's a very special day for us. Look at that thing. Next year. Look at that thing. Oh, look at these little guys. And one of 21 dogs surrendered to the SPCA by a Vancouver Island breeder earlier this month is a new mom. This is Black Ball, the pug, playing with her puppies. She and 20 other pugs and French bulldogs, we showed you those last night, from six weeks old to six years old were treated for lice, ear mites, and other infections. All are now recovering well at the SPCA and in foster homes and will eventually be up for adoption. Aren't they just the cutest? We have a lot of dog options on the show this <laughs> Yes, evening. it's been quite a week. Dog <laughs> yes. weekend has gone to the dog. We maybe we are in the dog days of summer yeah. after all. Yeah. One last word on the weather? Uh, we are going to have cloud cover, a slight chance for a sprinkle tomorrow morning, and then some breaks for the afternoon. All right. Thanks for joining us. Join Jordan tonight. <laughs>